Okay, here we go. Now, where we are at, just to let you know in the book, is we are on week six. Okay, so we're dealing with week six, which is Friendship Evangelism, part two. Okay, Friendship Evangelism, part two. And, and we're really going to kind of get into the, the testimony a little bit, so that you can kind of, you know, the goal is to get to the place where we're talking about religion, and at that point is where your testimony really is, is important because it, it makes a connection. This is not just some theoretical truth, okay? But this is truth that has impacted you, okay? So, in other words, when I'm talking about the word of your testimony, you know, I encourage people when you do Bible studies, and we're going to get into giving Bible studies, when you study the Bible for yourself, I encourage you to read a chapter seven times at least before you move on to the next chapter, because the first time you read it, first two times, you, it's going in one ear right out the other because you have so many other things on your mind. But by the third and fourth time where you're really starting to slow down and you're really zeroing in just right on that chapter that you're reading, that you start asking questions like who, what, where, when, like, Lord, why are you doing this? And now you're actually praying through your Bible study time, okay? And what happens is, is that now your ideas come in conflict with God's ideas, and that's where true surrender is met. A lot of people say, you need to surrender, you need to surrender. Well, define that for me. Surrender is when your ideas come in conflict with God's ideas, and you need to decide which ideas you want to live by. Okay? If you come out of your Bible study like that, that's true Bible study. If you've never reached a point of conflict in your Bible study, you're not studying the Bible. Okay? That affects your testimony. Because now when you share, like when I'm sharing Luke chapter 2, that's right out of my experience. That's not just Jesus saying this, oh, that sounds really good, hooray, and I walk out and never use it. Never understand what he's trying to do. But I take that and I apply it. Now it affects my life. And now when I talk to people, I'm literally, when you're talking to me, I'm listening for keys. And then I'm thinking based on what you're saying, I'm like, Lord, what question do I need to ask? Okay? Because I want to end this conversation where they have hope, they're encouraged, and they make a decision. Every single time. Okay, so let's get into testimony a little bit. Okay, we went over these things. It says, this is the verse we were looking at. Oh, there it is, that we had kind of ended with. It says, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Please do not forget the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Friends, only the word can get you to the place where you're not going to love your life and you're willing to sacrifice it. Because Jesus did the exact same thing. Okay? The Word. Oh, I'll let the quizzes go around. Okay? The Word of their testimony. They love not their lives to the death. It's the Word that gets them to this place. Now I want you to notice a passage. You have your Bibles. We're going to turn to 1 John. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Okay? 1 John chapter 1. 
verse 1 through 4. I love, you know, when I was reading through the Gospels, when I was in India, and I'm telling you this while you're going there in your Bible, it came to life. So, I mean, for eight months, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Matthew, Mark, it was like I was now in the stories. And, and what was happening to this person, it was like it was happening to me. He was healing this one. He was doing this. And I was like, oh, my Lord, this is incredible. And, and this is why I'm sharing this passage with you. It's an incre- and it's in your book. It's, notice it says, John says, that which was, oh, by the way, can I have a reader? I need to stop reading all the time. I want to include you. So is there somebody willing to read 1 John 1, 1 through 4? Go for it. Okay, now, go back to verse 1 for a minute. I want you to digest this for a second. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which, notice, which we have what? Heard. Which we have seen. With our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning Jesus. Does that what, is that what it says? says the word of life. Why would John write the word rather than Jesus? Because he is, now follow what you're saying, because it's right. In other words, John writes it this way because we can have the exact same experience that he had. Okay? When you have the word and you're in the word, you are looking upon, you are handling. It's like you're there, handling with your hands. You're so invested. Okay? that the same thing's happening to you that's happening to them. So he says the word of life. Okay? Jesus being the word. We can have that same personal experience with Scripture, with Jesus, that they had. Okay? And, And that's important to grasp because that's what comes through your testimony. A testimony that is by the word, that comes clearly out. And that's what people want to grab a hold of. It's not you and your life. It's the word that's leading your life that they want and that they want to grab a hold of. So we need to do that. That's what I'm telling you. Bible study. You want to be able to handle. You can't handle in three minutes. You can't just look upon in three minutes. Okay. And and when you read something seven times, you know, somebody came up to me and there's no magic number to seven, but somebody came up and said, Marshall, would you mentor me? And I said, ah, I'd love to. I said, let's start reading the book of Acts. He's like, really? I was like, yeah. And you're going to read every chapter seven times. He said, what? I said, this is how we're going to start. And it's amazing what's going on. You know, I had somebody when I just was doing my practicum work and I was at Grants Pass, Seventh-day Adventist Church, and I was studying this way. I learned this in India. Okay, this is what I was doing in India. And um, and I remember having a conversation with the couple that I was staying with, Chuck um, and Alta Austin. I was staying with Chuck and Alta and Chuck and I would have these discussions. And his wife was like, how do you get there? I don't even know how you guys are having these discussions. We're talking about different Bible passages and getting into them. How did you even get there? And I told her, I said, listen, read a chapter. Just try this. Start with the book of John. Just read a chapter seven times before you move on to the next chapter. She's like, what? And I explain this. As she did this, it was incredible. As she started doing this, I said, and by the way, have a notepad next to you and a pen and paper because you will start writing. Because you'll get to that place. And so she started doing this. She filled up seven pages the first time. She called me from work. 
And she said, you wouldn't believe what I found out. And guess what she's sharing? Her testimony. You wouldn't believe. And she goes through and she showed me the pages, all the connections and, and different things. And, and at the end of my time, it was so encouraging to me because she said, you know, I've been in the church for 30 years and I'm learning to study the Bible for the first time. The word of their testimony. So John says they handled the word of life. Okay? So that's why we read in John, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. Now I want to go on. Notice, in him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now I want you to notice this. There was a man sent from God. Who do we shift? We're talking about Jesus. Then all of a sudden it shifts to who? John the Baptist. Now notice this. This man came for a witness to what? Bear witness. Do you know what that's saying? He came, oop. Came for a witness to bear witness. John was there to speak about Christ. But he couldn't unless he was first a witness. Then he could bear witness. Okay? So it's saying, I need to be before I can bear. Okay? So our time in the Word affects our testimony so that we can bear, okay, witness of the light. So we have to be a witness, okay, to that light. That all through Him might believe. Notice, what happens when those two things come together? All through Him might what? That's what you want, isn't it? You want people to believe your testimony. You want people to believe you. You want people to believe in Jesus, that what you're saying is true. Okay? So we come for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not the light, just like we're not, but was sent to bear witness of that light. Okay? Notice from Desire of Ages, our confession of his faithfulness is heaven's chosen agency for revealing Christ to the world. Get this. Our confession of what? His faithfulness. Okay? Our confession of our faithfulness? No. Our confession of His faithfulness is heaven's chosen agency for revealing Christ to the world. We are to acknowledge His grace as made known through the holy men of old, but that which will be most effectual in the testimony of our what? own experience. But it's our experience with whom? With the Word, with Christ. This is what forms our confession. Okay? She goes on, we are witnesses for God as we reveal in ourselves the working of a power that is divine. Every individual has a life distinct from all others and an experience differing essentially from theirs. God desires that our praise shall ascend to Him, marked by our own individuality. These precious acknowledgments is the praise and the glory of His grace, when supported by a Christ-like life, have an irresistible power that works for the what? Salvation of souls. And a what? An irresistible power. Okay? And notice, our testimonies differ. But what is same is it's according to the Word of God. But they're still individual. Okay? They're still individual. 
in relationship to how God is working with us, okay, as we're studying His Word. Notice Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 and 33. Whoever confesses me before men, confesses who? Me before men. Him I will confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. You know, many times, and, I, and when I first became a Seventh-day Adventist, and I was trying to share my testimony, I would always tend to focus on the bad thing. Like, somehow that's going to help you. Like, oh, I went through this hard time. Oh, I had this struggle. Oh, I did, used to do this. You know, we do that with teenagers sometimes. we got to relate to you, so let me tell you all the bad stuff. Okay? And we tend to kind of focus there. Now, don't get me wrong. We'll talk about, you know, our past, briefly, is important. But not so much as it is in relationship to our coming to Christ what Christ is doing in our lives, and and what He longs to do. And this should be the bulk of our testimony, okay, when we're sharing it. And this is why when you're having religious discussions, you can sprinkle your testimony even throughout that discussion because it's focused on a confession of Him, not of me. You know, it's interesting. Notice with me in Hebrews. I want to take you to a verse that's not in your book, nor in this presentation. But I want to take you to Hebrews. I want you to look at something. This hit me really hard. Um, Hebrews chapter 11, again. And I want you to notice verse 15. We read earlier this verse about how they all died in faith and how they confessed the promises, they embraced the promises, and, and they confessed they were strangers and pilgrims. Now notice verse 15. This, this is an interesting verse that's couched right in the middle here. Do you know what that's saying? Take a stab at it. Now, your past is important in the fact of where Christ has brought you from. But this verse is saying, when Abraham was taken out of the land of Ur, okay, if he would have thought back to Ur, God says there's an opportunity to return to it. Children of Israel leaving Egypt, what did they think about? The flesh pots of Egypt. And what did they want to go back to? They wanted to go back to Egypt. If you tell your testimony and what you focus on mostly is the past, you're opening up the opportunity for yourself to go back there. Okay? Because we are moving which direction? Forward. Okay? So the thing is, is that you're right. Our past is important, but not all that bad stuff. Okay? So the thing is, is that Christ says, think about it, right? Lot and his wife leave and she looks back. Because in her mind, see, when it says be mindful of, that word there is to exercise memory over. So even in a, quote, godly way, you can exercise too much your memory over the past. That you forget about the confession of Him and what He's doing. Yeah, and the thing thing is, is that I wouldn't even, my testimony, you know, here's the thing. If you were to ask me, Marshall, what's your testimony? I want to focus on what it is now. More than, don't get me wrong, and we'll get into this in just a little bit, than it is later. And even now, when I look back, I don't even recognize that person. I mean, literally, if you were looking at my wife and I, she was homeschooled all her life. She read the Conflict of the Ages series by the time she was, you know, 12 years old. Um, Just totally different. I was, my parents were divorced. I was into drugs. I did all, we're totally two different paths. 
But God brought us together and we have a common future. Okay? And so, and so this is the thing. It's not, and that's why we're talking about they overcame him by the word of their testimony. Okay? So it's, it's so vital to, to know that, listen, don't open up opportunities to return to what God's calling you out of. How can you call somebody out of where you constantly are sitting? You can't. There's a conflict. This is why James says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Okay? So you want to continue to grow in Christ and you sprinkle that testimony. Okay? Throughout your friendship evangelism and your work. Okay? Uh, matter of fact, Paul did this. Um, matter of fact, let's go to Romans really quick and then we'll come back to here to Paul's testimony really quick. Okay? Paul would do this often. Paul tells his testimony quite a bit. He sprinkles it throughout uh, you know, his, his epistles. But if you go with me to Romans, this is just one example. Okay? Romans chapter 7. We'll come to Acts in just a minute. Sorry, I put that up on the screen a little too soon. But Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. And uh, notice here verse 24 and 25. He says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Verse 24. And then what does he say? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with my flesh the law of sin. And, and Pete, he's talking a little bit about you know, that experience. Okay? Oh, wretched man that I am. That's that, that past there, that wretched man that I was. But who shall save me from the body of death? And then his focus switches his two to Jesus Christ. Okay? And Paul's always going there. Always going there. That's why he says, I preach Christ and him crucified. Okay? And so now let's look at Paul's testimony. This is where, in Acts chapter 26, where he actually kind of gives us more of his testimony in kind of an order. And, it, and it's helpful. Okay? So this is a, a long passage. Um, oh, and I have five minutes. <laughs> so would you bear with me if we go a couple minutes past? Okay. So Acts chapter 26. And, and I'm going to read this. I would love to have others read it. I'm just going to kind of go through it quickly, okay? And, and then we'll go through what he does here. It says, verse 4, he says, My manner of life from my youth, which was spent from the beginning, among my own nation at Jerusalem, all the Jews know. So I don't really need to, you know, all the Jews know. Don't need to get in all the specifics. They knew me from the first if they were willing to testify, that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. Now, by the way, he's doing this in front of King Agrippa. He's got an opportunity to reach the king. Okay? And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. Now he's shifting right away. To this promise, our twelve tribes earnestly served God night and day, hope to attain for this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused by the Jews. Why should it be thought incredible by you that God raises the dead? Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. He's kind of going back and forth. This I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they put 
and were put to death. I cast my vote against them, and I punished them often in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly enraged against them, I persecuted them, even in the foreign cities. While thus occupied, as I journeyed to Damascus with authority and commissioned from the chief priest at midday, O king, along the road I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking, and he goes, now he's going through his testimony here of that time with Jesus. And then I'm going to quickly forward here, okay? Um, Verse 18, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. He's talking about himself after that experience from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and, and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God, and do works befitting to repentance. This is like he's calling out right at this point. For these reasons the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. Therefore, having obtained help from God, to this day I stand witnessing both to small and great, saying no other things than those which the prophets and Moses said would come, that Christ would suffer and that he would be the first to rise from the dead and would proclaim light to the Jewish people and to the Gentiles. Now, as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak the words of truth and reason. For the king before whom I also speak freely knows these things, for I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention, since these things was not done in a corner. So what you see from Paul are these things in this passage. The testimony of Paul readily divided kind of in three sections. He actually kind of spreads it out and kind of sprinkles in because he talks about Christ even early on, okay? And then kind of goes back and then goes back to his experience. But you see these things, his life before meeting Jesus, his conversion experience, and his life after his conversion. And I would encourage you, the focus needs to be more here than that life before Jesus. We don't want to open opportunities to return, okay? Um, so you move through that quickly. Yes, I was there. Um, you know, it's very interesting. I have to tell this story. When my wife and I were together, and we were getting ready to be married, and we are at that place, we are committed to it, her dad came up to me knowing the life that I lived in the past. And he came up to me and he said, Now, Marshall, i got to talk to you about your past. And I said, you know... I said, my past was my past, and I don't live there anymore. But if you want to live there, go for it. Because I wanted him to realize, I don't live there anymore. Okay? We shouldn't live there anymore. We're moving forward. And literally, that was, we're, we're great together. Her father-in-law and I. But it was like that understanding that he's moved on. I don't need to be there either. Okay? So anyway, so here's your past. What things are most important to you? What did your life revolve around? These are some of the things in the book. Why were they so important? What basic need were you attempting to fulfill? 
Um, these general questions like I'm searching for this or I'm searching for that without all the detail. How did you try to satisfy that need? You want to be careful with that because then you can kind of get into realms you don't, you know, you don't want to go. But you still want people to, to grasp. You're like, okay, I was there too. When, you, when did you, like how you found Jesus? When did you first hear the message of Christ? These are all in your book. What was your reaction? If you were raised in a Christian home, when did it become your own personal experience? Was there a dark or trial you endured that brought you closer to Jesus? I want to say something about this really quick. You know, people that have not had major transformations tend to hear these stories all the time because, and they think, man, I have to have that to know that I'm with God. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't. I love testimonies where they didn't do all that stuff. I'm like, I'll listen to those all day long. We need more of those testimonies. And, and less of sometimes the dramatic, because people just think that, but those are the ones that tend to get the attention. Okay? But they shouldn't have the attention. Jesus needs to have the attention. Okay? He's the one, not us. It's not about us. It's about Him. So you, you want to be careful with, with those kind of things. But sometimes you may have that. Okay? How did Jesus specifically satisfy the... And then your life now in Christ. How does Jesus specifically satisfy the basic needs uh, you had before you found Him? What changes have occurred in your life as a result? And how do you, you know that Christ is in your life? Okay? So these are the things. So we're looking at your past, basically. And I would say, briefly, get to Christ as fast as you can. Okay? Run to Him. Okay? All the time. And how you found Jesus, and then your life now in Christ. You know, I've had people come up to me and say, Marshall, I want what you have. And it's certainly not the past they're talking about. It's the future they're looking forward to. Okay? And we need to be moving forward in Christ. And by the way, don't think of it, now you're going to look at fort, like family, occupation, religion. I have to go in that order. It's like students with a canvas. I learned it this way, i got to say it this way. But the thing is, we're giving you principles at different times. You may be able to start a religious conversation, and that's the first thing you talk about. You may start a family conversation, but your goal is to get to that place, ultimately, where they're deciding to live for Jesus. They're deciding that they want a change too. And they want heaven also. And they want eternal life just as much as we do. Okay? This is where, this is where you ultimately want to go. We want to rejoice. By the way, let me see. Okay. And again, we want to always rejoice, right? People need to see it. You know, we're told Christians are the happiest people on the earth. Those that, those that what? Make Christ first, last, best, and everything. Okay? And people need to see it. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Okay? You are a link in the chain. Notice this verse with me. Uh, 2 Corinthians. Can someone read 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. Okay? 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4. We are comforted, therefore we what? Comfort others, okay? We are a link in the chain. Christ is not going to finish this work without us, 
Okay, Just as we go through our daily experiences and our relationship with Christ in His Word, He takes that and says, listen, now as you've been comforted, go forth and comfort others. Share with others. Pick them up. Okay, Encourage them. Tools you can use. Okay, Learn to tell what God has done, not what you have done. Okay, Be humble. Two, use terms people can understand. Imagine saying, I've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. Okay? To an atheist who has no exposure to Christianity, he would picture a rather gruesome sight. Talk in such a way that your listeners can relate. Don't use the Adventist cliches, the, you know, the language we use among Seventh-day Adventists. I've said Maranatha before, and people are like, what is that? Okay? So we want to be able to communicate effectively. Consider using phrases like, my life is so much more peaceful now. I'm much more confident now that I'm not carrying all this guilt with me. Uh, Life is much more manageable when I remember that God has a plan for me. Be realistic. Share how Christ enables you to walk through your problems rather than removing them from your life. Four, don't be critical of other people or churches. Your former church persuasion may not have been doctrinally correct, but we must remember that we were once a part of them. Never glamorize sin, that's what we're talking about. Be very careful in giving details of evils of your past, in Hebrews chapter 11. Instead, give details about the new life. Those stories of the past can help you relate. Never forget that Christ is and must be the center of your testimony. His word is the center of your testimony. If you're having an experience in that word daily, then people will see that. They're going to hear that because that's all you're going to talk about. Instead of dwelling on the trials and sacrifices, dwell on the blessings and the rewards. Don't be too religious or preachy. I run that habit sometimes. Rather sound conversational and use informal language, identify your audience, tailor your testimony to meet them. It doesn't have to be long. Um, It can be based on what the conversation is. You don't have a lot of time. You want to pray. By the way, always be praying when you're talking with people what to share, just how to share it. Um, And don't feel you have to share everything. Build your testimony around a theme. Choose something characteristic of your experience that is general interest to non-Christians. Success, search for meaning and purpose, dealing with tragedy. You can do those things um, pretty quickly. And finally, here it says, pray each day that God will make you aware of someone who needs to hear your testimony. Keep alert and He will show you the person. I want to share one last story in closing. There was a young man by the name of Eric. Now, I had worked in a school called Miracle Meadows. I was at Southern College. I went to Miracle Meadows as a counselor. And I was there for a year and a half. Now, I was growing. I was just newly baptized. I think about a year and a half I was a Seventh-day Adventist. So I'm going there as a counselor to work with these troubled youth. And I worked there for a year and a half, and I was never really had anybody give their life to Christ. I was just working in the fields with them, going to school with them. I'd live in their rooms. And I'm just like, Lord, I don't get it. Nothing's happening. It was after I went to Weimar that I ended up going to India. I was telling you about going to India. Now, I came back from India. And I had some time before going back to school. And I thought, hey, I'll go back to Miracle Meadows. They know me. And I'll go down there and work for like a month and a half. Now, I'd been there a year and a half. 
Now I'm there for a month and a half. And they said to me, they said, Marshall, they said, we want you to work with this one guy, this kid. His name is Eric. I was like, okay, I'll work with Eric. You're going to spend 24 hours a day with him. You're going to sleep in the same room. You guys are going to work together. You're going to work out. You're going to, you know, by the way, when we cut grass, it was with a sigh thing. So it wasn't, you know, and we do acres and acres. And, um, and you work on this other project with him. And they said, oh, and by the way, he doesn't have a conscience. I said, okay. It's like, Lord, how are we going to get through to this one? But remember, I had gone, the testimony now was different than it was before. My testimony focused before I went to India more on the past. Now I was realizing there was something different. And I was focusing on the word. Okay, and what was going on with me, and, uh, and it was incredible. We'd have conversations, and we'd sit there, and he would just talk, and I'd just let him talk, and let him talk, and let him talk, and then I'd ask him a couple other questions, you know, and then we'd go back and forth, and we were talking about censorship one day, because everything that came into the school was censored, and you couldn't have it anymore, and so he's like, Marshall, what's the deal with the censorship and, and all of this? And, and he said, you know, he came to this conclusion. Well, if you're going to get rid of everything, then one day everything's going to have to burn. And I was like, and see, I never said this before. I said, you're right. It is going to burn. And you have a choice whether to burn with it or not. Amen. Now, I had never said that to anybody. Wow. <laughs> and, and, and I walked away going, was I really supposed to say that? And then... But then I remember after that conversation, people came up. I don't know what you're doing, but he's thinking about things. I'm like, I'm not doing anything. No, he's really thinking about stuff. And I'm like, I don't know. And so, but I'm just praying. And then the next day he comes to me and he's like, Marshall, I, I have something to confess. And I'm like, wow, okay. Spirit of God is really moving in his life right now. And he's like, a few years ago, before I came here, I, went, I got drunk one night, and I went to a sheriff's house, and I broke all the windows in like his barn and everything. And he's, like, and he's like, I know that if I call him, and I'm like, wow, he's under major conviction. If I call him, then he's going he's gonna to put me in juvie. Okay? The guy's a sheriff. He's going to put me in juvie. And I said, listen, all I said to him was, I said, sometimes we don't have to give the answer. I just said, you know, the Holy Spirit's convicting you right now. And you know what the right thing is to do. I said, so when you're ready, I'll pay for the phone call. And that was the end of our conversation. Three days later, he came back to me and he said, he said, uh, <laughs> he said, I'm ready to make the call. I said, okay. So I paid for it. I said, I'll pay for it. Confessed to this guy everything. The guy forgave him. He gets off the phone, he's like amazed, not going to juvie, nothing. The sheriff of his town, whatever, is forgiving him. The next day we're out doing the lawn, and he's like, Marshall, how do I become a Christian? So we knelt in the middle of a field out there, the mountains around, and he just gave his heart to Christ. And I was like, you know what? A month and a half in India, spending time in the Word, made all the difference in his life, where a year and a half before it was all about me. It's not about us. Bottom line is, it's not about us. And the thing is, is if we can be intentional about our friendships, and if we can use the principles that God has given in His Word, I guarantee you that God's Spirit is going to be poured out and you're going to see people wanting what you have. And you're going to see them giving their lives to Christ because you are willing to go there 
and say things maybe you never said before um, or whatever the case may be. But God is giving each of you that testimony to share. And it doesn't have to be wrote down, whatever you're going to... Just be praying about it. Think about how God has blessed you. Think about the things He's given to you to share. You all have things that He's done for you that you can share. Don't hesitate to share those things. And God's going to bless. Kirsten, you want to have prayer for us? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the things we've learned today. We ask that you help us um, retain all the knowledge that we've learned and um, be able to use it in our personal lives as we go out from here. Please bless us each and continue blessing us throughout camp meeting. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.